Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with the Slate Spoiler Special Podcast on It's Complicated, the new Nancy Myers comedy with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin. Joining me today in Slate studio is Willa Paskin. Hi, Willa. Hi. Who is a contributor to Double X and also an editor at Black Book. Is that right? That is correct. And um, I'm really happy you could join me on this movie right before the holidays. I, I saw it and I really realized that I had to spoil it. I had to talk about it with someone because I can't decide how I feel about It's Complicated. I, f- I feel like I don't hate it as much as I'm supposed to. And yet I can't completely embrace it and, and love it either because it's got so many glaring problems. But it also has so much charm and it has such a kind of barreling energy. So anyway, I want to hear w- what do you think and, and, and also talk us through the story a bit. Sure. I actually had the inverse reaction, which is to say that I saw it at a screening with a crowd full of people and I loved it and then I left and wondered if I was being way too nice to it just because I was in a group of people that were laughing so hard and it was yeah, so charming. I, I recently called that the churro effect in a review of Up in the Air, right? Where it's tasty on the on-site consumption and then it kind of sours later on. Right. So, okay, so we had inverse reactions. But so so let's start with the story. Um, everybody's probably seen the, the previews of the trailers at this point. But essentially, Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin have been divorced for 10 years as the movie begins. Right. They have three children. She lives in a beautiful house. She seems pretty content with her divorced life, and they run off to New York to um, go to their youngest son's graduation and end up getting wasted, reminiscing, and falling back into bed together and discovering like the, a very passionate relationship. So they start sleeping together again, essentially. Meanwhile, her architect, this sort of charming, very white-haired Steve Martin, is lurking around being nice and um, very attentive and sort of uh, milk toast to Alec Baldwin's smarmier gutsier, sort of aggressive sexiness. Right. Yeah, I want to talk about Alec Baldwin's particular brand of sexiness in a second, too. But then we also can't leave out um, Lake Bell, who plays Alec Baldwin's current wife, who this is like a very confusing story that they give you in this very brief exposition at the beginning. But he left Meryl Streep 10 years ago for this much younger woman played by Lake Bell, who's kind of like a, I don't know how you describe her, sort of like a go-getter, kind of like sexy businesswoman with a giant tiger tattooed on her shoulder, kind of like this emasculating but sexy figure. And then apparently she leaves Alec Baldwin and goes and has a child with someone else and then goes back to Alec Baldwin. And this is all just related through in girl talk with Meryl's friends. It's like they needed to explain how she had a five-year-old son without that wasn't Alec Baldwin's, but Alec Baldwin had left Meryl Streep for her, and it didn't make. And it seemed like but a lot why did, of work. Why could he not be? I don't know why when they were constructing the story, they didn't just make him be Alec Baldwin's son. They had ten years to have a son. He could easily be their progeny. I think it was to make her look less trustworthy, right? To make her seem more more snaky or something but that I, she would leave him and then come back with somebody else's but child. But also, I think the raised. idea that he didn't have a second family, he just had a second wife, was probably relevant to what ended up unfolding, right? Because he he thought the kid was a brat in this way that he couldn't have possibly thought he was a brat if it was his own. Right, son. that's true. He doesn't really relate to him like a father. He's sort of more like this uncomfortable stepfather who doesn't really belong in the family. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, so so that's the setup at the beginning, and and then walk us through a little bit what happens next. And don't forget, it's a spoiler special, so, so we people, just... we're going to give it all away here. So so essentially, they they start this relationship that seems to be going very well. She's hesitant at first to be sleeping with him again, although also gleeful to be sleeping with her ex-husband, to be having an affair with the while he's cheating on the woman that had an affair on her. Um, but then it becomes slowly over time, you know, he is still married. And so she starts to end up feeling a little bit more awkward about the entire situation and that she's waiting up at night for him to come home when, come come have a date with her, even though, you know, they're divorced now and she shouldn't be waiting for him to do anything. Um, Steve Martin becomes more charming. Meanwhile, you know, they have a couple good dates and essentially she ends up deciding, like, like in a, in a, in a family reunion at their house where all of their children and Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep are, Alec Baldwin takes off his clothes and flashes the camera like with his ass and basically proves to be a complete and total sort of ass. 
wait, which wait. point it falls wait, apart. Wait, wait, but you forgot to mention his place flashing the, the computer only makes sense when you know that Steve Martin is Skyping at the other <laughs> end, right? Right. With his wife. So, But does he do that on purpose or does he just, he's just basically disrobing to, to charm yes. Meryl Streep back into bed with him and he happens to be next right. to the computer that's one of, on Skype? One of the things that I liked about the movie is actually that it sort of very deftly plays with your emotions about who she's supposed to be with. So initially when they get together, Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep, you like them, you, they have a thing. And then he becomes more and more sort of buffoonish as it as the story develops and Steve Martin becomes less and less boring. And so by the middle to end, you're actually rooting for her to throw Alec Baldwin over, which at the beginning, you're kind of rooting for them to get together. And even she does end up throwing Alec Baldwin over. Yeah, it's kind of, it actually is an unusual inversion of the screwball logic. We're going to talk about how you you, you just wrote a piece yeah. on screwball comedy and, and this movie and the way it picks up some of those conventions and discards others. And one that I think it... it I don't know if it subverts or just ignores, but the tradition in the screwball comedy, of course, is that the person with whom you have the best banter is the person that you're supposed to end up with. <laughs> right. And she has incomparably better banter with Alec Baldwin, and they have much more of a sparky kind of back and forth and, and like a, a sassy bantering relationship. And Steve Martin is kind of shown as a milk toast and a nerd in comparison and a nice guy and all that stuff. And by screwball logic, he should lose out, right, or find a boring girl to, that he gets to be with at the end of the story. And instead, as you say, he kind of comes into his own, and she kind of realizes that even though okay, Alec Baldwin and I do have the best scampy banter. We still don't belong together. And I thought that was kind of a, a mature and sad ending to their story. And also just thinking about it as this movie um, that's marketed towards sort of middle-aged women who are maybe divorced themselves, it's sort of the revenge fantasy part, part is it's sort of hollow if she ends up back with Alec Baldwin. It's great that he wants to be with her, but she has to be able to say, no, you don't get to have me back. You screwed it up, and I'm actually fine now, and I'm better, and I look better than you, and I'm am better than you, and I get to have another fella, and you have to go back to um, jerking off in a cup while you try to get to the second <laughs> <Right>. child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some really, really uncomfortable scenes in the fertility clinic. I actually was afraid that he was going to make Meryl Streep have phone sex with him when he was. Yes, in the I actually clinic. was really concerned at that exact <laughs> moment as well because I really that was going to be my limit. Instead, it's just sort of implied that he runs out. I don't even know if he produces yeah. his sample or not. Speaking of which, while we're talking about him producing the sample, okay, so so another subplot is that I guess he and Lake Bell are seeking fertility treatment because he's so old that he has these sperm problems. And I sort of felt for the Lake Bell character in these scenes. I mean, again and again, it's made very clear that we're not supposed to care about that character. Everybody else gets their moment in the sun, no matter how many unsympathetic things they're doing and how much adultery they're committing. We sort of get a moment to see their point of view, including the kids, the grown kids. We kind of see how they're getting screwed around by the whole thing. But this one character just basically remains a villainess the whole time. And I didn't think it was it was that fair, fair to her because however unsatisfactory she may have been as a partner, she's getting cheated on too, right? Definitely. But again, I sort of think it's this idea of this movie about it sort of being a fantasy for a set, a set of women and that fantasy includes comeuppance for that person who has an affair, the younger woman, you know, as opposed to, you know, your, your cliched middle-aged husband who's gone off and had a midlife crisis. But I'm, if it were purely a revenge fantasy, then it seems like Alec Baldwin would have to get his comeuppance too, right? Why does he get he, off scot-free? He doesn't, I mean, I feel like he gets off scot-free in the sense that we like him, but he does become more and more foolish as the movie kind of progresses. He's very charming in the beginning and... Um, although this is obviously contentious. I mean, I think it's sort of an attractive older man. Not oh, everyone yeah. agrees. <laughs> Completely. And I don't know that I really got it until this this movie, because I don't watch 30 Rock regularly, at least. I've right. seen it a couple times. But he's totally sexy in this movie, and largely because, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's what he does with this character, right? I mean, I love the way his character is this kind of 
filthy, dirty <laughs> lecture. Right. It's absolutely great. There's all this stuff that you would never have expected in a Nancy Myers movie. Like when he and Meryl first get get back together and have sex for the same time, for the first time, the first thing he does is reach over, That's you have this favorite. in a full shot, and grabs her crotch, like Alec Baldwin grabbing Meryl Streep between the legs, right? I mean, she's clothed and everything. And then he goes, home sweet home. <laughs> no, I, I. And the look on her face is so classic. I mean, you just see that she's kind of grossed out, but also completely charmed. Well, that's funny that actually of all of the jokes in the whole movie, weirdly, like the it is hilarious and I, I loved it. But the audience I was with cringed at that moment because it was almost like too provocative and too just about sex and vaginas and like these people having sex in this way that you sort of. You know, the scene in which that happens is they're both, like, splayed in the sheets, but, you know, covered up, except for his very, very hairy chest. I mean, in that in that movie, she is, they protect Meryl Streep, so she looks beautiful in every single scene, and they make fun of his body, basically, in every single scene. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in that sense, it's definitely a middle-aged woman's fantasy, too. There's another raunchy and hilarious Alec Baldwin moment where, I mean, hasn't everybody had a boyfriend or an ex just like that character? It's so great. He's so in love with himself, and yet he's very needy and fragile and sort of um, hysterical in a And way. very appreciative of her. I mean, for all of his neediness, he's like, you know... No one knows how to cook like you do. I never feel I never can talk to anyone like I can talk to you. It's this very is right. regressive. It's this very oral kind of mama baby relationship in a way. And there's this moment when he's eating her cooking, you know, pretty far into the movie when he's sitting down with them and having a meal, I think for the first time in the movie, and he says to the kids, Mommy is the best cook in the world. And something about the way he calls her mommy is just so wrong. But the other dirty gesture I was gonna say that I love is when he's leaving her house after I think the second time they've had sex. The affair is clearly underway now. And he goes, Okay, bye. Thanks for the coffee. And as he says coffee, he makes this like rude hand gesture that makes it really clear just right. exactly what he's thanking her for. Yeah. Well, actually, that's the scene because they didn't actually do it then. They end up just talking because she kicks him out of the house. And so then he jerks one off because he's like, thanks <laughs> not for that. But, I mean, that's that's one of the things about the movie that is very charming, which is that, that actually everybody has sex. And so it's okay that this is a movie about 50 and 60-year-old people having sex because they do that. There's not near as much awkwardness about that fact as there was in the Diane Keaton, Jack right. Nicholson movie whose title I've never been able to remember. Something's Got to Give. Right, right Something's Got to Give, the, the, which was her previous movie, right? Has she done anything in between? Um, she may have done The Holiday in between, but that's Oh, yeah, sort The of, Holiday. Um, Ooh, I sort of like The Holiday. Oof. <laughs> I kind of like Something's Gotta Give, and I really liked this, but I did not like The Holiday. Well, let's talk about um, about the, the class angle on this, because you and I both came in bubbling to talk about that. I mean, I think this is a real problem with the movie, and it's the reason that I feel like I'm supposed to hate it, and I can't let myself like even the things that I do like about it, because this is so obviously an, an aspirational, a movie about class aspiration and, and material envy, and to me that makes it really, really hard to watch. A driving... Um, plot point is that is that Meryl Streep needs her kitchen remodeled, and that's how she meets Steve Martin, this architect who's going to build on this extension to her house. And this would be so much more sympathetic and believable, and we would care so much more about this project that they're creating together if she didn't have an absolutely perfect kitchen already that needs zero remodeling. I mean, come on, give it a, like not enough counter space or something. No, and it's also she owns a bakery, and basically, as far as I could tell, the bakery, which is you know world-class furnishings looks exactly like her kitchen. I mean, there's no distinction between those things whatsoever, and yet she needs more light and a larger bedroom, and they're going to do a huge, huge, huge expansion on the And that just basically makes her look like a spoiled bitch, which obviously her character isn't supposed to be, and, and creates this whole... It, it, it makes the the entire audience just envy all of the characters on screen rather than identifying, like, gee, she could use a new kitchen, and I could use a new kitchen. I mean, don't make them poor. Fine. It's a romantic comedy. It's a fa class fantasy, etc., but make them 25% poorer, and the movie is so much more likable. I have to confess that Meryl Streep I found so charming that I didn't it wasn't I wasn't even bothered by how unnecessary her kitchen was or any single thing that she did or did or even there was a scene where um she goes to the plastic surgeons to 
maybe have a droopy eyelid fixed and you know realize it's a horrifying experience and she doesn't want to go get plastic surgery and runs out and actually runs into Alec Baldwin in, in the elevator and it's very charming although Meryl Streep has possibly had some work done you know it's like those are the kind of things I was just so she was so in full Meryl Streepy glow she's at this moment in her career where she's just so doesn't care what you think about her she's so free and having so much fun that you just I would watch her do anything yeah and that's been true in everything she's done this year right in in Julia and Julia and and Mamma Mia even which was like I mean which is some sort of heightened version of this where she's so over the top relaxed. I mean, as far as Meryl Streep goes, I completely agree with you. Like, I would watch her do anything, and she totally carries this movie. Although, I have to say that Alec Baldwin is pretty fantastic, too. And a romantic comedy is never any good unless you really want those two people to get together. And but I think we part don't, of the reason right? that I... Well, I did. And I think part of the reason I couldn't get into the one whose title I can never remember, Something's Gotta Give, is because I really didn't want Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep to get together. I mean, and Diane Keaton to get together. I just I just didn't feel that chemistry between them and, and with Alec Baldwin and Meryl but Streep. But you did at do. the end. You, want, you thought she should have ended up with him? I can't remember what happened at the end. No, she no, didn't in the end of this film. Oh, no, no. It's with the logic of the movie. She can't end up with Alec right. Baldwin. Absolutely not. But but I, who would choose Steve Martin over Alec Baldwin? As, as charming as Steve Martin is. Well, so would? I have to say, so there's a scene where they, um, Alec Baldwin has given Meryl Streep um, marijuana, basically, to smoke with him maybe at some later date. And she's going to a party with with her like her child's graduation party and on a date with Steve Martin and proceeds to get really high before the date and Steve Martin then proceeds to get really high with her and then they go to the party and proceed to get really high with Alec Baldwin and John Krasinski who plays um, her eldest daughter's fiance um, and it's I was loved Steve Martin then like he won me over in that in that scene that scene is absolutely great and over the top and silly it reminded me of the last time I saw Meryl Streep do drugs in a movie which was adaptation do you remember when she does the exotic orchid drug in that movie and how utterly utterly charming she is it's just, she just wanted to do drugs with Meryl Streep so badly there is also unrelatedly and you can't see it I'm just going to tell you there's a scene where, where Alec Baldwin shotguns smoke into John Krasinski's mouth and, <laughs> and displays sort of a real knowledge of, of uh, smoking that is that is charming and impressive and I thought pretty hilarious that pot smoking scene also rules because it really if you think about it is, is the the most uh, blue chip comic talent in the movie is all getting to bust out and act silly together I mean Steve Martin Meryl Streep Alec Baldwin and John Krasinski yeah. who I think is just I don't really watch the American office I've only seen it a couple times but he is over the top funny in this movie I love him in this small role as basically Meryl Streep's son-in-law I, don't, I think he's not married to her daughter but he's her longtime boyfriend and he and he basically of all of the younger children who we were saying earlier the children are sort of sort of have these um, thankless parts, but in a sweet way, it's, they're sort of unidentifiable. He has like all of the funny lines. John Krasinski, he's he's the funny man of all of them, and he's sort of the representative of the young people's world in the movie, right? I mean, I like the fact that this movie is completely unabashedly for and about middle-aged people and takes their problems as interesting and doesn't make any excuses about why we should care about middle-aged people switching partners and having sex. And and once again, there, I think it's stronger than something's got to give in the sense that it doesn't even really care about giving face time to the younger generation. They're just there to represent the fact that Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin have had a successful marriage, right? It's the fruit of their marriage. They've grown up, but we don't really need to know about their stories. No, at all. We we actually don't end up knowing very much about them at all. All right, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Um, As longtime listeners know, this podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, and uh, we're going to recommend for this week, okay, we're reaching a little bit. We're reaching from lowbrow to highbrow, which I like to do once in a while, and recommending as an Audible listen, uh, Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy, which you can listen to unabridged on Audible. That's a mere 35 hours and 28 minutes of listening, narrated by Judy Franklin, Um, and we Doug for that one because we were thinking for about a book about divorce and and the end of marriage and we couldn't come up with anything for some reason except for Le Divorce and all these sort of cheesier modern novels and I wanted to to find something great. Um, 
actually, as it happens, my life partner is in the middle of reading Anna Karenina for the first time right now. And so I'm getting to hear, you know, exclamations every day about what a great novel it is. And I haven't read it in a long time. And so, as you know, if you sign up for a one book a month subscription to Audible through our URL, which is www.audiblepodcast.com slash spoiler, you get a credit, credit free for one good book. And even if you cancel your subscription during the 14-day free trial period, you can still keep your book. So, back to our podcast. I mean, one of the things about this movie that I, I liked is that when you think about romantic comedies now, so few of them have anything to do with marriage. They have to do with getting married. They don't have to do with being married. And um, I felt like this movie showed what being married, even though it's about a divorced couple, can be in in the best sense, which is about having a family and being connected and really understanding somebody else and feeling comfortable with them. I mean, there's a number of scenes where there's the two of them are talking. She's in the bath and he's just talking to her and you know he says this is more fun than I've had you know in years or whatever and they're not sleeping together but their connection is sort of um it's a grown-up loving connection and, and and it's about what marriages sort of should be although they end up not deciding to get remarried um and I thought I think that that other than Julia and Julia and the relationship between Julia Child and Stanley Tucci in that movie I'm not sure the last time that I've seen a grown-up relationship that had anything you'd want to emulate basically at all Right. Yeah, there's a really great moment right near the beginning, which, again, it's, it's only Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep that managed to make this work because it's a very simple scene, but they're watching the sun graduate. It's after the, the, their one-night stand. They're both really hungover. They've just done this, you know, incredibly stupid, drunken thing together, and they're pretending, of course, that they're, you know, an estranged couple at their son's graduation, and she's crying with pride as the sun is walking up toward the stage, and then Alec Baldwin just gives her this great look. Do you remember that look? And the look, he just it's gives like, this, we did this together. Look at it. Just this pride and sadness and just, and, and of course, what happened the night before and not knowing what it means and it's just a really really terrific moment that's completely made possible by these two performances yeah definitely I also thought I mean we said this before but um, the way that the divorce sort of plays out with the family is kind of a more interesting take on what divorce means I mean divorce happens so it's funny that we couldn't come up with a book actually that easily to recommend for the podcast only because divorce is obviously hugely common and prevalent but it's not really in movies in the way in romantic comedies certainly the way you would expect and I thought it was interesting how the family reacted to the when the kids finally find out that their parents are have been sleeping together they're not just ecstatic that their parents are maybe getting back together they're like we've spent 10 years getting used to the fact that you hate each other you couldn't even be in the same room it ruined our entire high school experiences it made our life incredibly difficult and now you just want us to be happy well we can't kind of change tracks that fast that's an interesting scene narratively because it's also in that scene at the very moment that they reveal it to the children because they're forced to because of the whole sc- naked skyping mishap they have to come out and tell them they were sleeping together and that's the moment that Meryl Streep actually faces up to Alec Baldwin and says this isn't happening and you get the sense that she's doing that because of the children it's sort of the moment of truth has been forced by the three kids finding out about it and Alec Baldwin still has his hopes up really high even though he knows he's in stiff competition with Steve Martin and then there's this moment where one of the kids I think the youngest the boy says so are you getting back together and Alec Baldwin says yes and then Meryl Streep says no and it's it's kind of a heartbreaking scene yeah it is but it feels it feels grown up or thoughtful in a in a because the answer you'd think that she would just say yes in, because she, that's what she'd want her children to say. And that isn't really what they want her to say. They just want her to tell them the truth. Right. So in your piece about this this movie and Screwball, do you actually say that it does continue in the Screwball tradition, or do you consider it a departure or updating of some um, kind? Well, I th- well, it's sort of like the Philadelphia story is the one it, it reminds me of the most, not in terms of plot particularly, but in terms of structure, because it's about a woman who has two really viable leading men. But instead of choosing Cary Grant, which Katherine Hepburn does in the Philadelphia story and remarries her ex-husband, Cary Grant, she basically chooses Jimmy Stewart. 
Um, although I would say Jimmy Stewart in the Philadelphia story is perhaps a smidge more charming and lovable than Steve Martin is in. Um, it's complicated. And I was just thinking about what that means. I mean, the thing about this genre, comedies of remarriage, um, which Stanley Cavill like dubbed a bunch of screwball comedies from that time, then His Girl Friday is another one, um, is it's about, you know, what's good about them is that basically we don't know what really constitutes a marriage. It's not necessarily law. It's not necessarily sex. It's something sort of ineffable. And you... And really what it is is committing to committing over and over again to this person, right? So a comedy of remarriage in a sort of sweet way is that is that at its most, like, op- manifest, right? You agree to remarry again and again this person who you were divorced from. So here's this movie that's kind of, in a way, about that. It's like, are they... And it's, but it's, it's flipped because it's basically them reaffirming over and over that they're divorced, right? So the, the core thing is not that they're remarried. It's like a comedy of divorce in sort of a much more explicit way. Their natural state is divorce. They spend this whole movie seeing if maybe they can work it out only to realize, actually, no, we're supposed to be divorced, you know? Um, well, in that, in that last conversation they have on the bench, which is another great scene, um, and I think it should the movie should have ended precisely with that. I thought it went on too long afterward, but... There's a moment that she says, he tries to convince her that they should still be together, but she rejects that. And then he says, but I don't regret it happening. And she really thinks about it. I mean, because Meryl Streep, you can tell that she's thinking it through for the first time. And she says, I don't regret it happening either. And so it's as if they had this unfinished business that they had to act out. But as you say, all the unfinished business does is to affirm that they did the right thing splitting up in the first place. Right. I mean, it's it's sort of, it seems like a totally logical step in the progression of that genre, right? Which is that we're in a moment where so many more people are getting divorced. It's, it's sort of um, a different fantasy to say that everyone should get back together with their ex, ex-spouse, because obviously that's not true. But that doesn't mean that you don't have some connection with them or you need to investigate it. Um, and so that movie kind of does this. Right. It's almost, almost as if the fantasy you have about your ex is, if only I knew for sure, if only it could be proven to me, right, by a Hollywood screenwriter, that we really don't belong together despite whatever magical thing we have. And that's sort of what they enact, right? right. I mean, it gets proven to them in grand style, grand romantic style, that they're not going to be the grand romantic and in, couple. And in that scene on the bench, even, you know, he, he wants to make it work. It's not going to work. He says they both have no regrets. And then he sort of confesses that he just wanted it to work. He wasn't actually sure that it was right. He said, I just really wanted it to be right. You know, Do we get the sense at the end that he's going to go back to Agnes, the Lake Bell character? Absolutely. And does he say he is? Or we just see him wandering off and we make that assumption? I just, he's not, but he's not going to be alone. <laughs> That's right. She makes that point earlier, right, that he can't stand to be alone for 15 minutes. But maybe he'll find somebody else whose life to charmingly ruin. (laughs) Maybe. So I wanted to talk about some of the things we don't like about this movie because we keep talking ourselves. It's like we're Alec Baldwining ourselves back into liking it because of the charm. But there are so many roads that this movie starts to go down that could be really interesting that it then doesn't explore. I mean, ultimately, I think it's a movie that starts to gesture at all these quite profound things but is willing to stop at a, at a really shallow point. Do you, do you sense that, too? Well, I think the other thing to sort of talk about that's bad about it is the extent to which it's a fantasy about divorce, which is that this woman who is is Meryl Streep but has these two men throwing herself at them and... Um, and it, it sort of doesn't like ever throwing talk about, themselves at her. Right. Them, and, and it doesn't ever talk about loneliness. I mean, so it's like a road that it doesn't go down is that divorce sucks, you know? Um, and the way where we find her at the beginning of the movie and at the end is that it doesn't seem, I mean, it's obviously 10 years into her divorce, but it doesn't seem so bad. I mean, I actually, um, my mom saw it with a friend who is divorced and she actually had a hard time with the movie. And, and I, when I ran into screening, I also ran into somebody who I think has been divorced a couple of times and she also didn't like it that much. And I think it's, you know, it's almost like, 
it's just a little bit too rosy. You know, it's it's the house looks beautiful and she looks beautiful. And of course, everything's perfect. There's, you know, you do have a robust sex life. It doesn't matter. And I'm not sure um, it is. A, it's a fantasy that maybe didn't get it, it could have probably been almost exactly the same and kind of talked a little bit more about the things about it that are really rough. You mean in the same way that I said they could have down, downgraded the class right. status by 25%? They could take Meryl Streep's wonderfulness down 25%? Right, or, or not, you know, not her one... She can be just as wonderful talking about how hard things are. You know, she could... She, of anyone, could pull off a little bit of suffering. Well, actually, I found that her character at times... I mean, Meryl Streep's wonderfulness is just perfectly fine as is, but sometimes the character's over-wonderfulness got on my nerves a bit. <laughs> like, why in this kind of movie... This isn't a Nancy Myers movie, the one I'm about to mention, but did you ever see Because I Said So with Diane Keaton... And, um, is that the one with Mandy, Mandy Moore? Moore? I have skipped that one. It's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's neither better nor worse than you would expect for that kind of movie. Um, it's sort of, you know, a watchable, sappy Diane Keaton romantic comedy. But the, the Diane Keaton character has that same quality that Meryl Streep's character has in this. She also runs a bakery, and she's just super, super, super nurturing. You know, it's just every meal she makes is this beautiful spread, and everybody's exclaiming about how wonderful it is. And you know, of course, all her material objects are great and stuff. But she's just sort of this ultimate nurturing mother, and, and it's sort of effortless. fussing over her children, but yet not getting on their nerves because she's so charmingly fussing over them. And I can see how, if you were a middle-aged woman with grown children and divorced, and this was being held up as the model of you know what you were supposed to be, that it would seem really like Jesus. Christ, what if I don't set the table every night? You know, what if I'm a crappy cook? You know, it, can I still maybe possibly have a boyfriend and love my children? It occurs to me that there's a version of this movie that is like a serious drama, not like almost exactly the same and not funny at all. You know, I mean, because it, I think it, I think it does sort of take off all of the sharp edges about every single thing, about having grown children, about having them live at your house, about having an ex-husband. But about... wait, don't get me wrong. I still want it to be a comedy. I mean, the, oh, the, I do too. the better version of this movie that I'm imagining is not sort of like, let's strip away the laughter and make it a, a heavy drama. Oh, I love the idea not. of a screwball comedy with, with Streep and Baldwin in this situation. But I think sometimes this movie, I mean, definitely Nancy Myers has a, the cutes. She has like a bad case of the cutes. Like, I'm surprised there's not a dog that gets cut away to on a regular basis because there's really a lot of sort of bourgeois, yuppie, cute accoutrements all around. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, with the accompanying kind of music. And it's just, it's a little too whimsical. But to me, I can still trim that stuff away when I'm seeing her movies. I just sort of aesthetically trim it away and disregard it. And I think some of the bones underneath, like the emotional bones of this story, are pretty strong. And also, it's very funny. I mean, I laughed a lot. Oh, yeah, super funny. Well, Willa, thanks so much for coming in for this late spoiler special. Thank you for having me. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.